As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, it's week two, Cowboys fans. We are back. Another About Them Cowboys here, the Athletic Podcast Network. Kent Garrison here producing across our network. Make sure you're subscribed to the Athletic Football Show, too. We're going every day of the week, covering the entire NFL on that podcast. So check that out and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Athletic Football Show and theathletic.com slash Cowboys if you want to be an athletic subscriber and make sure you get all of our episodes in the back pocket, right next to the articles of Father John Mishoda. And this episode of About Them Cowboys is presented by Visa. Visa is the network working for everyone. Father John Mishoda is working for everyone. He is back. We've got Saad Youssef from The Athletic back. And also back, we've got Kevin KT Turner from The Eagle and from Sports and Such, which is premiering this Saturday at 2 p.m. on The CW here locally in DFW. Make sure you check that out if you watch television and like sports and stuff, uh, and such, and things. Uh, KT, welcome. I'm excited to, to watch the show and um, see your comedy stylings. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and uh, I, I love. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the plug. I'm very uncomfortable talking about the things I do, um, but yeah, thank you. It, it, one thing I'll say is one of the inspirations behind the idea to do that show was. Uh, the love for Norm McDonald that uh, I know you and I both share, and of I'm course. sure Saad and John Michaud to think Norm McDonald's pretty funny. And uh, so, yeah, I'd like to dedicate this episode of About Them Cowboys to Norm McDonald because you know he Heard might Ferguson. be okay with that. Yeah, all right. Um, let's uh, let's start with the Lyle Collins thing because so uh, we'll talk Chargers. We'll get there. This is a big one this weekend, um, a fun one this weekend. But Lyle Collins gone for five games. I know it's a weird thing to talk about because the NFL doesn't exactly have some um, hard set rules in place for their drug testing, but it sure felt odd to me that it was a five-game suspension. Am I alone here, John? Uh, No, but at the same time, I don't see why they would just be suspending him for five games if they didn't have a reason behind it. And from listening to Jerry Jones this morning on 105 Through the Fan, it certainly sounds like there was... And this is, again, reading in between the lines with Jerry. It sounds like there was an appeals process before the suspension came down. And it was heard by someone, 
in, I don't know if it was with the league or, or, or whatever, and they didn't get that. They didn't win their appeal. So it sounds like Lyle is still maybe going to a second appeal, uh, but the Cowboys are planning on not having him for the next five games, and that's disappointing. And while you can sit there and blame the league's drug testing policies and things like that, and I, and I know on Twitter there's all kinds of stuff out there. I saw the crazy 180 drug tests and whatever, how many days or whatever. I, I've also heard that there's no truth to that, but there's going to be all this kind of stuff. I just... I find it hard to believe that they're going to suspend him five games if there's just absolutely nothing there in terms of now. I'm not saying he failed drug tests. Uh, it might just be that he didn't show up for them. But uh, either way, it, it's how do you put yourself in this position? You know, you just come off of missing all of last season. It's just such a bad look to now be out for five of your team's first six games. You just, I mean, this offensive line just cannot get the same five out there to save their lives. It's just, it's, it's, it's just disappointing. And, and, and I get off the plane coming back from Tampa on Friday and I hear that I'm just kind of like, does it ever stop? Like, can there ever just be like fly under the radar for a little bit and everything just stays normal and you just keep rolling. And then it's like, and then now he's out for five and then you got, you know, Zach's coming off COVID, but now uh, off the COVID list, but then Randy Gregory's back on it, even though it sounds like he's asymptomatic. But I mean, there's still now not a good chance. I, mean, I shouldn't say not a good chance, but it's up in the air if he's even going to be able to play on, on Sunday against the Chargers. So uh, yeah, I guess if you're a Cowboys fan and you have been a Cowboys fan for more than five years, you're probably used to this by now, but it's just uh, disappointing. Yeah, I guess where I'm at though on that is so if it happens and you know it was it was coming, that's that's one thing. To not know any more about it, I mean, it's not like the league has to tell you, I guess. But we've seen it seems super penal, you know. I guess five games just seems like a lot. Now, if that means he was in the program or whatever, that's, that's a whole the thing, other thing though. Like there, there, I mean, there's just because you fail one drug test or you don't show up to one drug test, that doesn't mean you're getting five games. If you're getting yeah. five games, I mean, it only makes sense that you're getting five games because there there's a, a long list of issues here that it's t- to the point where it's like, I'm, I just, I don't see them handing out five games if there weren't several warnings along the way. Saad, we know it's not fantasy football. What are your thoughts on the move being Terrence Steele at right tackle? <laughs> I, I, I think that I think that it's it's not overly surprising to me, especially after watching Hard Knocks and stuff, because you know you saw you saw Mike McCarthy talk about Ben DiNucci, right? Like not giving up on a guy in the second year. Like I'm not I'm not surprised that Mike McCarthy's not giving up on Terrence Steele. I think I think the way that it comes out is going to be a, a I, I, Mike McCarthy. If Terrence Steele plays well, then he's gonna it's gonna be like, hey, look, all right, there was improvement from year one to year two. But if he doesn't play well, if he even struggles a little bit, there's going to be a lot of I told you so from everybody around. And it's going to be justified because Terrence Steele, I, I don't think they're putting their five best out there right now. I mean, if you saw Connor McGovern play, you know that he's one of the five best offensive linemen. The only other thing, and I think John, I, I don't know if John will agree with this or not, I'm not ready to pin this completely on McCarthy because it sure doesn't sound like Zach Martin wants to swing out to tackle either. So I think that's something that you have to consider as well. No, that's a factor in it for sure. Um, 
And, but to your, to your earlier point, Terrence still will struggle in this game. I mean, just he's not going to shut down Joey Bosa. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. I don't care. I don't, how know. Much, I don't know. I don't care how much better he got in the weight program in the offseason or how much he's improved, as the Cowboys have told us, as I've heard on and off the record for the last month and a half. Uh, and they would love nothing more than to be developing this guy who ends up being like the future, one of the future tackles for this team. I mean, just imagine if they were able to do that off of an undrafted guy. It would be fantastic, especially considering that, I mean, Lyle, Tyron Smith, and Zach Martin haven't started a game together since Jason Garrett's last game as head coach. So, and actually, you know what? It was the one right before. It was actually a game. It was the second to last. It was the one up in Philly, which is basically secured that, that, you know, that was done there. So, you know, what's kind of surprising you. I looked this up with all three of them starting together. The Cowboys are 25 and 26. So it's not even like if, when you have all three of them now, part of it was because of, um, Lyle's rookie year in 2015, they were, they were dumpster fire. So that was, it was real bad that year, but still like you'd think it'd be pretty good ways over 500 when all three of them are playing. Not the case, but you still would prefer to have them out there. Uh, to Sod's earlier point, though, if you were if you were just making about putting your five best out there, um, the five best offensive linemen going into the season for this team are Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Connor Williams, and Connor McGovern. So you wouldn't even have Biotish out there. And that's why they wanted so badly for Connor Williams to win that that center job if you and and if you're a subscriber to the athletic which i hope you are you'll you'll read bob Sturm's piece today where he breaks down the offensive line and um didn't exactly have glowing <laughs> reviews about tyler biotish's game uh thursday what? night against against the buccaneers so uh yeah they have they have major issues here on this offensive line now i don't think terrence Steele is going to be Chaz green but there's so much ptsd from cowboys fans because of seeing that Chaz green game in atlanta and then the fact that we did get to see Terrence Steele start 14 games last year, and it was not good. And it's hard to believe that all of a sudden it's been cleaned up and, and he's improved significantly enough to start the following year. So I, while, while it leaves me scratching my head about their decision-making on Tyler, or Terrence Steele, it also kind of has me thinking, like, well, how bad are things with Ty Nasecki? So. Well, yeah, my my wonder was if they had just kind of designated Ty Nasecki was going to back up Tyron and Terrence Steele would be backing up Lyle, and that's just what they're going to go with, and we've got a plan, and we're going to stick with it. I think they you just know? feel comfortable with Ty just being a guy as a swing tackle is only going to play a certain number of snaps. I don't think they want him out there playing an entire game, especially for what looks like it'll be the next five games. Yeah, and, and one thing about Terrence Steele, to be fair, he was always a developmental guy right. who was forced into starting 14 games because Lyle was not there. So here you go. Now we get to really see what your developmental guys got. I, I do think he deserves a bit of a leash if the plan is to truly keep him there for five weeks. You're telling me that's your plan now, then that needs to be your plan. Now, if he gets beat by Joey Bosa, uh, which could happen, you go to week three and you got Philadelphia, you give him another shot. But we start talking two, three weeks in a row of just kind of being terrible. We've got to have the talk with Zach Martin. Whether Zach Martin wants to do it or not doesn't really matter. At this Take point. one for the team, Zach, literally, Zach. Literally, and we know Zach Martin can do it. And it is ironic that the team you play is the Chargers, who took Rashawn Slater from Northwestern one who pick looked, after who looked amazing took, on Sunday. I mean, it, it, he absolutely he looked great. He was. I mean, I, I think he's the guy in this class that I would pencil in if you were just like, who are the the people from this draft? You get uh, you get 
one guy, name the guy who is your the most you know, Hall of Fame or who's the best player in this draft. That's that might be the guy. I mean, I'm sure Penny Sewell could have an argument, and we know the, the quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence and all that stuff. But Slater was just such a sure thing. And I ain't mad because Micah Parsons is going to be a good player too. So not mad about what they did, not mad about the direction. It's just it's just funny. Here we are in week two already dealing with these, this offensive line crap that I was just hoping would be in the rearview mirror. It's really disappointing. Yeah, and, now, and, I, and there shouldn't be any second guessing about that. There will be, but at what point are you adding players to the defense? Who are your defensive playmakers if you don't draft Micah Parsons? Like who who yeah. who who is it? Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch? Like I, I don't I don't see how you can second guess that because if you do, it's just like, wow. So you add Rashawn Slater, so your offense is really good. Guess what? Without Rashawn Slater, your offense is still really good. Like you you shouldn't have to have eleven first round picks for, for on, on offense for it to be executing to the you know the level you needed to. You eventually have to draft uh, address your defense. And that's what they did with the Micah Parsons, and it looked like they got a good player. Now, if Micah Parsons ended up flaming out and then Rashawn Slater goes on to have like Tyron Smith's career, yeah, you can second guess it down the line. But this isn't Taco Charlton TJ Watt to me. No, and also like you saw Brian Baldinger put out his little uh Twitter breakdown clip, like he like he said in the tweet, Micah Parsons is already the Cowboys' best defender. So I'm with you. Like there's no way you can second guess that instant that decision instantly right now. And think Not. about if they don't draft Parsons. Look at the snap counts from from Thursday night's game. Look at how look at what Dan Quinn thought of Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith with them playing 16 and 14 snaps respectively. Like it showed you everything you need to know. Now Dan said yesterday that that's because of the way the game went. Now obviously Tom Brady threw 50 times. So that I mean it doesn't take a genius to to let you know that if you're going against quarterbacks that's going to throw a lot, which you probably will be going against again on Sunday, that they're probably going to go with their speedier linebackers that they trust in coverage, which will again be Micah Parsons who should never come off the field and Keanu Neal. And so just think if they don't draft Micah Parsons like is Jabril Cox playing over those guys? I mean, like that. It's pretty clear what Dan Quinn thinks about Vander Esch and Jalen Smith through one game so far with everybody healthy. So, I, I know I know there will be second guessing, but I have no issues with the Micah Parsons pick at all. I think it was it's much needed, and from what everything I've seen so far, he looks like he's going to be an outstanding player. And for the time I've covered this team, there aren't very many people that you can say were outstanding players in this defense. Couldn't agree more. Saad, you comfortable with Cedric Wilson as your uh, wide receiver three as Michael Gallup is going to miss three to five weeks of the strained calf? Yeah, honestly, I am. Like, like, you know, when you talk, like, same thing that John is saying. Like, yeah, we have this outlook of the receivers being that you have these three studs and everything, but the requirement shouldn't be that you have three uh, 1,000-yard receivers just to have a a good top three. You have, if you have Michael, uh, if you have Michael Gallup, that's great, but you should be able to operate with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb with a serviceable number three, which is Cedric Wilson. So I'm absolutely comfortable with that. I think, you know, if you are able to take a hit on one position in this entire roster, it is wide receiver. Absolutely, and you have so many playmakers that Kellen Moore can use, and, and they feel comfortable with Cedric Wilson. I mean, they did last year. Uh, you know, Cedric Wilson got a lot of work with the ones because Amari wasn't doing anything in training camp. I mean, this isn't going to be like some – Oh, I'm up next? I didn't even think this could... I mean, Cedric Wilson's ready for this. But on top of that, it's like, even if he wasn't, it's like, you already have CD, you have Amari, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you have Tony Pollard, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have Blake Jarwin, you have Dalton Schultz. Like, how many weapons do you need to be a successful offense? There's 
plenty to work with there if Michael Gallup's going to be gone for, well, he's definitely going to be gone for the next three games and, and possibly a, a game or two more than that. Like, as long as these other guys are there, they this roster is built to take on uh, losing a guy like this for a few weeks. Yeah, I really like Cedric Wilson's just, you know, ability to kind of step in and be ready to go all the time, almost like a really good NBA bench player. That's really what it is, and he'll help you on special teams, all those things. That, that's really great. The thing I would say, and when we were just kind of having fun talking about the draft and Michael Parsons and Rashawn Slater, and you go to like what they did you know, on day two, they had to take Kelvin Joseph, who's still not healthy. It was very evident that they need help at cornerback because Anthony Brown got picked on. I mean, it was basically dealer's choice, and Antonio Brown was the guy that Tom Brady knew he had a mismatch on and it was picking on Anthony Brown pretty much all day. And there's really nothing the Cowboys could do about that, and it just got me thinking, man, I know it's the Bucs, I know it's the Super Bowl champs, I know it's Tom Brady, but how many weeks are we going to be talking about this on this podcast before the game going? I don't know how we're going to cover them because – I definitely kind of have that feeling today uh, with Keenan Allen, who can always get open still. Mike Williams, more of the physical type. Uh, Tom Brady wasn't looking at Mike Evans very much. That does kind of give me a little hope uh, right there. But Mike Williams still a big red zone threat and still good with his size. And they're running out former Cowboy Jalen Guyton as their number three wide receiver. And that's not to mention what they're doing at tight end with Jared Cook and, uh, and using Stevens as well. So... I mean, it's going to be another week where you're kind of going, okay, uh, it's going to be tough to cover. It's going to be tough to cover because uh, that quarterback over there is pretty good for the Chargers as well, man. So the Calvin Joseph, Nishan Wright, I don't even think that that's even needs to be brought in the conversation. All you need to do is rewind back to one preseason game before and just see what they did when Trevor Lawrence was out there just throwing the ball all over the field in that final preseason game to think that the same isn't going to happen with Tom Brady and obviously Justin Herbert, who are, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Justin Herbert looks like he's going to be one of the best young quarterbacks in the league and, and, and end up being one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a long time. So that's not the issue there. The one issue I would say would be the, at what point do you maybe get Maurice Kennedy in there? I mean, he he played so well in training camp. He's a veteran. You saw him play well in the preseason games. I mean, he's more of a slot guy, so they like Jordan Lewis, so Jordan Lewis is there. But if here's the thing, though. Dan Quinn did not seem to have as many issues with Anthony Brown as we did watching the game. So I don't see him changing that right now. But if that ends up being a thing where he's just getting exploited, then, you know, you're just going to have to make a change, and maybe that means bringing in Maurice Candidate. I just don't think that Kelvin Joseph, especially being injured right now, and Deshaun Wright, I just don't think they're ready uh, for that type of assignment. And to be honest with you, I really don't think anybody out, not named Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn are ready for that assignment. And even with those two, from what I've seen from Micah Parsons so far, I still would probably take Micah Parsons just because of the type of impact he can make on every play uh, in the front seven, on a front seven that I don't think is particularly great. I mean, with it's not. I mean, week two, you might just go, "Hey, that's what happened." I don't really know what we could do. It was God when it was Antonio Brown. It was Mike Evans. It's very easy to say that. And quite frankly, for being honest, and the Cowboys probably know this too, the the way to wins, the path to victory for them is by outscoring teams. We still know that that hasn't changed. I just wonder if it's not like at what point do you do you? pull the plug is it week two is that too early is that a rash decision i don't think you can pull the plug because i don't think he trusts the guys that are behind him 
like I said, they look at Kennedy as more of a slot guy. So I don't think that they look at it like, oh, hey, we got somebody yeah. that's like competing with him on that other outside corner spot. You know, it, it, it'd be different if, let's say, this was, let's say, Cheeto is still on the roster. Then you're like, okay, well, maybe we'll give some more snaps to Cheeto. Like, yeah. they're kind of set with what they got right now. And I think you got to kind of live with it. I mean, let's be honest. Like, yeah, the Cowboys are loaded on offense. So they're going to throw in a lot, of, a lot of people. But you don't think that Super Bowl champs that are loaded with all their starters on both sides coming back, do you think that they're sitting there going, you know what? I think our corners did pretty good against those Cowboys receivers. Excuse me? How did you think that? You know? Now, of course, they have a much better pass, a uh, front seven. Uh, that's a big part of it. Uh, but the Cowboys threw on them whenever they wanted to, for the most part. And they're the best team in football, as far as I'm concerned, with everybody coming back. I don't even know if they've played their best ball yet. And so uh, I just feel like there's there's going to be weaknesses. About It's about minimizing those weaknesses. And one way to do it, which is another thing we didn't see in that game, and partly because of Tom Brady, is you just got to get more pressure on the quarterback. There just was not enough pressure. And as great as Justin Herbert is, he's not going to get the ball out as quick as Tom Brady is because really nobody does. Well, I, I don't know about you, John, because uh, you weren't able to be a part of the postgame. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Kent and Zod, I think the three of us were actually happy and pleased with the effort and we're, we're actually like walked away from that game pretty positive on Thursday night. Was that, I, I thought, you? I, I mean, I walked away saying on the podcast that the Cowboys should have won the game given how many mistakes and how many gives that the yeah. uh, Tampa Bay had. I mean, they were giving the Cowboys the ball in great field position. The Cowboys were shooting themselves in the foot. The Cowboys should have won the game, and as far as I'm concerned. Um, now, it's not to say Tampa Bay wasn't a better team, but Dallas should have won that game. Um, I, I came out thinking very similar. Uh, I was surprised that they played that well. And to be honest with you, it really isn't even about the team for me uh, because uh, – <laughs> This is probably this is probably taking it too far, but to me, really, the only thing that matters in the NFL is your franchise quarterback. And when your franchise quarterback plays arguably his best game he's ever played, coming off the injuries he did, that's the most positive thing you can possibly have out of that game. I don't even care how everybody else plays because ten years from now, he's st- he will still be on the team. The, the Cowboys will only go as far as Dak Prescott can t- can take them, and he looks like a guy that can take them very far. So that's the biggest positive. Obviously, right after the game, I didn't know Lyle Collins was going to be suspended for five games. That would have obviously had an impact. And in terms of the game in general, the only thing that I hated was the 60-yard field goal attempt. But other than that, like I was Why? like kind of cool with basically the way everything went. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that, they probably needed to take more time off the clock and not give the ball back to Brady, but that just, you know, you've just seen it happen so much. I mean, he's the, that's why he's the GOAT. I mean, you just what are you going to do, you know? They they needed to probably get seven there, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't, but... Uh, I just, I mean, because even the interception Dak threw across the middle, I thought that was a great pass. It just it bounced off CD's hands, and uh, it was aggressive. You know, that's not a pass he was attempting very many times his first couple years in the league. I mean, Jason Garrett, you could just look at his his chart after games, and you could see Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan, wanted him to keep it on the outside, keep it on the perimeter, not really challenge in the middle. And he threw a great ball there. I mean, he was cooking. Um, so, no, I, coming out of the game, I was like, man, that's, you know, I know nobody wants to hear about moral victories, and that's fine, but, I mean, Again, it, it all depends on what your opinion is, too, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I really have a feeling that they might not have played their best ball yet. They started peaking last year in the playoffs. And I saw Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown out there that look like they're in even better shape than they were last year. So I don't even know if they've played their best ball yet. And to sit there and hang with them and and almost beat them, like it, it really surprised me. Again, I mean, my pick, I had them losing by at least 10. Yeah, I think the defense and, and the other thing that we talked about you know, on the post game pod, but also just generally, the the defense that the the plays that were making were not like accidental. They weren't like 
it wasn't like the Buccaneers were just dropping the ball and things like that. It was mm-hmm. it was KZ like punching the. It was actively making plays. Um, whether it was Demarcus Lawrence's strip, whether it was uh, KZ's strip, you know, whatever the case was, they were forcing turnovers as opposed to just you know we see it in the past that even when they and when they when they have turnovers, sometimes that Jordan Lewis is just getting the ball thrown right to him. Um, it wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case against Tampa Bay, and I think that's what was super encouraging as well. Let me point out one other thing that I've I've really been having an issue with lately watching college and pro football, and it, and, it, and it bothers me, and I don't know why we're not to this point yet, um, and maybe we are pretty soon. But like, I really think the regular TV angle like does a complete disservice to the players in terms of like how just how great these guys are, and why I say it's like you watch a basketball game, a hockey game, you know, baseball game. I guess you can't see the outfield, but for most sports, you can see the entire playing field. Like, I'm just going to use one play as an example, okay? That deep ball that Tom Brady threw to Antonio Brown, like when you sit there, that, that beat Anthony Brown up the right sideline, when you sit there and you watch it on the TV copy and you don't see it from behind, you're just like, oh, look at Antonio Brown. He just torched Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown sucks. An- Antonio Brown's so much faster. Tom knew he was going there the entire time. You watch it from the All-22, like from behind, crazy how much stuff goes on and how fast like Brady processes it. Jordan uh, Jordan Lewis on the other side of the field, he slips a little bit. So instead of DeMonte KZ having a coverage over the top, he's supposed to be on top. Jo- uh, uh, Anthony Brown is playing a bail technique, so he has the underneath. So they're doubling Antonio Brown there. But because Jordan Lewis slips, doesn't fall, just slips a little bit, KZ has to come up and get his man that leaves that open. And when you watch it from behind, Tom Brady processes this all in like less than a second. And it's like, boom, sees that changes. That's when he goes and throws the deep ball to Antonio Antonio Brown. It is crazy how fast these things go down. It's it just like guys aren't just running around wide open in the NFL. It's just how fast you have to be. To, and, and I'm just hoping that one day we get to a point where like that all 22 look like behind the quarterback is at least up in a small screen in the corner so that, so that people can see that because there's so much going on outside of the t- outside of the front seven that you have no idea. And as soon as the ball snapped, the, the camera zooms in on the quarterback. So you see even less. You don't see any of the pick plays. You don't see any of the routes crossing in the backfield at all. It's just it's very focused on what the quarterback is doing, and then it, and then it's the throw, and that's it. But that play was incredible, and I know that everyone's going to hate on on Anthony Brown for it. Um, but if when you see the whole picture of it, you're just like, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you really was supposed to do. I mean, yeah, Jalen Ramsey would have done a better job, but you know, I don't I don't know what else you're really going to do on that. I mean, Anthony Brown is is Anthony Brown for for a reason. I mean, Anthony Brown's that's why not Antonio Brown. I mean, right. that's all you got to say. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and if he was, they wouldn't have made it basically known that they wanted Sertan or Horn. You know, if you had another corner in the other side you felt that good about, you wouldn't be putting it out there on videos on the team website, telling people that, like, these are the guys that they like. Like, it was very well known. And that's probably why they went the two picks before them. Like, it was obvious this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we live in a world one day where it's just Peyton and Eli doing every broadcast oh, and we get every I angle. So. so I That was it. one of the... That, that was fun. That was pure, pure joy, man. I love. We just know that. as as fans, as reporters, whatever. We know more about the game now than has ever been known before for people that aren't on the field playing or coaching it, because so much stuff is being brought to us, and and we're just a more knowledgeable fan, reporter, whatever you want to say. That it's like we want we want more of that stuff because it's like I don't want just the little like oh, this guy can eat 14 pancakes in a single... Yeah, that's cool. But I also want to know, like, how he does on this technique and why he's having a hard time going against this guy. Like, that that stuff is, like... 
So that's why I, th- I find that stuff fascinating, but why I also think that we do get to a point where those different camera angles are going to be more and more on the TV at the same time. And if you don't want that on there and you just want to know about the guy eating 20 pancakes in one sitting, then they will sit there and they will put that on and, and you can you can take that off your screen. That's fine. But like, I want to see all that stuff develop because you see that in the press box, which is nice. And when you're at the game, but when you watch it on TV, there's so much stuff going on that you just never get. And here's the thing, like when we get the all 22 copy and we're able to put it out there for fans and things like that, it's too three days after the game like you've yeah. already moved on yeah. to the next team yeah they've tried just from the broadcast perspective they've tried the primary angle being the sky cam angle behind the quarterback and it no everyone hates it they get terrible feedback yeah. on it they've tried it they know that that's a that that's an issue that you can't see the whole field um but you know they do it it's called the madden angle people hate it because they say it looks like madden but you know kids love it because that's how they play madden so you can see the entire field and how it develops but but I'm with you. There, there could be improvements on that. But I'm, I'm sure that was awesome in person to see Anthony Brown get torched. I'm sure that uh, fit, the Tampa Bay fans were loving that. There was a lot. Of, I mean, I'm telling you, there was at least three or four balls that Dak threw that, I mean, just in person, you're just like, whoa, yeah. this, this dude is fearless right now. Like, he does not even care. And then Tom, too. I mean, there's a couple of balls that, I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. But just to see him in person, you're just like... And just like how quick he gets it out and how fast he sees this stuff develop. Now, it obviously helps both quarterbacks playing with very, very good wide receivers and that. But like Tom Brady's 44, guys. I will sign up. I would sign up 40, for 17. 44. He should have retired I, 10 years ago by most like elderly quarterback standards. He should have retired 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, his Botox is working It's nice. amazing. I just want I mean, to. How about. How about the touchdown they threw to, to Gronk where they brought the blitz with Donovan Wilson? And you can just see this thing develop, and you're just like, "Oh, Lawrence is gonna go get oh." And then, and then even on TV, you can hear him going, "Gronk, Gronk!" Like before he snaps the ball, like they're <laughs> obviously adjusting the play, like Tom Brady all day long. And then, like nothing against the coaching staff of the Bucks, but totally with, with with all due respect, without any respect, he's coaching that thing. You see that play, you watch that play over again, where. The one that was the, you know, questionable, is it offensive pass interference? What the, basically, the throw that won the game to Chris Godwin. The play call that comes in, Tom Brady is furious when he looks at the sideline. And he's going over and over again, no, 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 no. Like, that's not what we're calling right now. Looks at his looks at his, his wristband, completely changes it up, goes to the Godwin throw because he, he knew that he was going to have a, a, a matchup where... Whoever was on, like, he knew, obviously, it was going to be Jordan Lewis because that's that's the where the matchup was taking him. But he knew he wasn't going to have his head turned around, and he knew that he could throw a ball like that, and, and it was either going to go to his guy or it was going to be incomplete. The clock would stop. Like, the way he just adjusts things like that, like, on a totally another level, and that's why, like you said, uh, that Peyton Eli stuff, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm going to watch every one of those games. While you're here, what was your thought on the OPI that was not called? So... I understand the Cowboys fans are going to bring up the Jalen Ramsey one. I, I obviously heard a ton of it after the game and saw it on, on Twitter and that. Um, I don't think the Jalen Ramsey one should have been called, and I don't think that this should have been called. And I completely agree with Mike McCarthy with uh, on the whole thing when he was asked about it after the game. Like, late in games like this, like, unless it's just absolutely blatant, like, t- I mean, there's just everything's on the line. Let these guys fight. I mean, here's the thing that, that what I liked about it when I watched that play in, 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 in replay several times is that and again it hurts because the Jalen Ramsey thing will go against what I'm saying right now but that was a couple years well that was last year so maybe they're changing with it and it's not just this game but other games I saw over the weekend is I just get the feeling like the refs are like we are not going to be the NBA 
where we're just yeah. going to let these DBs flop on these things like this, and then all of a sudden these are just getting called all the time, and then we go back to the line of scrimmage. No, this is football. This is why we're wearing pads and a helmet. Like, if you can't stand in there, that's just how it's going to be. Like, we're not going to be calling these flops. And because, do I think there was a little bit of a push-off by Godwin? Absolutely. But I think at about mid-push is when Jordan Lewis decided, I'm going to really try and sell this thing. And then yeah. that was where it was almost so blatant, where it was like, a ref's like, no, we're not going to be doing this. The, we're not, the league is not going in this direction. And Godwin never fully extended his arm. That was right. the big thing for me. Right. Is if his arm's extended, that's the indicator they're looking for. It was very quick in his little, you know, it was just... He didn't have a big straight arm, which you could see, like Gallup had on Ramsey when Gallup and Ramsey were hand fighting last year. Gallup's arms extended all the way, and it's just very easy for the ref to see. But that was something we talked about after the game, obviously. The and other and night. Cowboys, Cowboys fans are going to hate hearing this, but I'm just going to give you a dose of reality real quick. Much like all the time that was left on the clock after the Dez non catch catch in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Did you really think even if that was called that Tom wasn't going? He Okay, maybe if he needed a touchdown, something could happen. Maybe, you know, whatever. But Tom only needed a field goal. You don't think we he was knew. going down there anyway? Like, even if that's we, called we back or not? There was plenty of time. There was so much time that he <laughs> rattled off three plays where he decided to just throw it at the cheerleaders. Yeah, that's where I kind of thought there was a play, and we need to get off this and go to the next game. But there was a play... You know, been between one thirty and two minutes left, where C.D. Lamb was, got out of bounds after he got a pass. I was like, C.D.'s got to know to go down right there in bounds and make them either burn that timeout or. But you know, the Cowboys also put themselves in a bad spot and the holding call. Um, yeah, C.D. didn't play of, great in that game. Between that, the drops. I mean, he even said after the, the game, he was yeah, yeah, he was not happy so. with himself at all. And I mean, there's better yeah, days ahead. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. He's still a young kid in that. Uh, I mean, he's still a freak athlete and playmaker. I mean, hell, that first touchdown pass uh, with him and him yeah. and Dak hooked up on crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, he'll be fine. But that wasn't a great game from CeeDee Lamb. Did you guys see the Mike, the Magic Johnson tweet? But loved it. <laughs> Amazing. So, for those that don't know, Magic Johnson had a tweet saying that he's really looking forward to this Sunday's game because it's a matchup between Dak and Justin Herbert, Amari Cooper. And Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa versus Jalen Smith. I can anyone help me break down what Magic was saying there? Because I'm I'm really confused. I feel like he looked at a picture. Uh, I feel like like a promo thing from like a year or two ago of the Cowboys and saw Jalen on there and was like, oh yeah, yeah, he's still on there too, you know. And he led the team in tackles last year or something. Um, Maybe Jalen's playing right tackle. But I, I also. Plan. I mean, he probably should have said Demarcus Lawrence or Micah Parsons with the Joey Bosa thing, but he didn't it, know anyone else. But if you follow Magic Johnson's tweets, this isn't that far off. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> to be fair, it's kind of right down the fairway. And I hate to lump these guys in to the same category. So please know that I'm not trying to do this. I really, really am not trying to compare these two people. They're nothing alike. But on the Twitter side of it, it's a little bit like I hate that I'm even going to do this because I'm not comparing to Magic Johnson, but like. If you've ever wa- listened to one of them OJ videos, OJ. it's like the oh, it's the most oh, John. It's, it, it's the most obvious stuff. Oh, I know. Like, we play him on the you show. You know what? Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna win the game, you got to run for more yards. Like, yeah. you know, hey just, Twitter world, hey Twitter world, <laughs> it's, yours it's truly. It's I love that Twitter still won't verify OJ. Uh, you know, sorry, ma- sorry, Magic. It might not be him. It might not really be OJ. Yeah. I don't know. OJ's oh, that's, killing it out that's there. Cute. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's still looking for uh, who did it, by the way. He said that the other day. 
So inappropriate, uh, KT. I blame myself for even bringing this up. I'll never rest. Yeah, I think John, Nor- John, John had yeah. to. Yeah, I was going to say John of, had to bring it Norm. up on Norm McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. Norm McDonald OJ, proud. OJ Norm McDonald proud. killed <laughs> two people, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just, I don't know. Like my Twitter follows are very, you know, sports oriented, and th- those are just two of the top sports people I can think of that will just like tweet out some of the most like obvious like. Well, if the Cowboys are going to beat the Chargers, they're going to have to score more points, you know? Yeah. Well, the biggest storyline of this game, obviously the quarterbacks, right? That jumps out. But it, to me, it has changed. Um, I'd like to see what you guys think. Number one storyline is Terrence Steele versus Joey, Joey Bosa, though, right? I mean, because that can there's, – there's only a few people who can wreck a game. And I wish DeMarcus Lawrence was one of those guys. I think he's a really, really, really good player. But he ain't on the Joey Bosa level. Joey Bosa is a guy who can wreck a game the way Miles Garrett can wreck a game or the way T.J. Watt can wreck a game or Nick Bosa can can wreck a game. Like, that's that's the big concern is, like, the timing is not great because you'd sure like to have Lyle for one more game to be able to go up against Bosa before he had to start that suspension. Yeah, and then also I just don't like the idea of Justin Herbert having time to throw. I, I just – I mean, I know he's only in whatever – this will be his 18th professional game, but man, he looks so good and, and just looks like he is like just light years ahead of, of where he should be at this stage in his career. And man, if Chase Young isn't getting to him very much, like I just find it hard to believe that. I mean, we don't even know if the Cowboys are going to have Randy Gregory. I mean, you you could be starting yeah. Dorrance Armstrong or Terrell Basham at right defensive end. And you know, so they brought they brought Mike on eight blitzes against Brady. Maybe they dialed that up a little bit more. Uh, but man, that it just—it's not a great matchup. And, and as you mentioned earlier, the Ra- the Rashawn Slater thing is is going to be a big one because, uh, you know, obviously he looked really good that that first week, and many Cowboys fans knew who he was because that looked like who the pick was coming down to. So that's a big one too. The other the other thing is just the fact that just the Cowboys have to get a win. I mean, just you can't be starting this year zero and two like this on the road. Uh, it just. Even though they're, it looks like they're going to be in the, in the worst division again. You really, well, you can't in this division. You can. Yeah, I don't know though. I mean, what if what if Philadelphia just gets hot this year and and you're just they're going to get railed by the 49ers on Sunday, and we'll all know what well, the, what the Eagles are. I mean, yeah, I, w- I would I would think so, but I was expecting more of a railing on on the Lions too from the 49ers. So, I mean, uh, they're playing with their food though. Yeah, well, okay, but I'm just saying, like, man, that. They, I, they need to win this game. One of the benefits, though, for the Cowboys, though, I do think that the, this will be a home game for them. I really do think yeah. that there's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans out there at SoFi Stadium. Um, but it's just, you know, just in that post-game press conference Thursday night, just the way, I don't know, like, just the way Dak was and Amari was, like, you can just tell, like, the expectations, like, within the locker room are so high with this team that it's not like, well, let's just try and win the division and just see what happens when we get in. Like, they don't think that way at all, especially on the offensive side. Like, they think that they, that they have an opportunity to be special. Like, they're certainly not behind the scenes going, oh, no, we got to start steal. Like, I, 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 just with the key guys, the the Dak, the, you know, the, the Zeke, the, you know, Amari, C.D. Lamb, they are very confident in, in what this offense can be, not only with their ability, but with Kellen Moore calling plays, uh, I just I think that what it could do for their psyche if they lose this this second game in a row just just wouldn't be great. I, I they they got to win this game. I know they're underdogs to open it up, but 
Um, th- this is a big game. It's not a must win. Obviously, it's way too early in the year. But like, I don't think you can just you know sit back on oh well if they just are kind of around five hundred. I think they'll get this division again. Like you can't be going in the playoffs this year. That their their goals and their hopes behind the scenes are, are much bigger than just oh, let's try and win the NFC East. Maybe if it only is nine wins. Yeah, and I think I, I think one thing also is just that their schedule even after this is pretty easy. Like they don't they don't really play. Uh, a playoff team from last year until Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. So, and that's like right, that's before Thanksgiving or something. So, I think that is something to keep in mind. But also, like, I- I'm with you, John. It's a big game because you, do, you because you see all those stats with like 0 and 2 teams and where they stand in terms of making the playoffs and and all this. And you also just don't want to really inspire that kind of that that kind of like culture because culture was such a big you know, talking point all last year. And I know it's a great indication that they played well against Tampa Bay and everything. But again, like you just don't want to set that tone to start this season as well. Whereas losing is just becoming second nature and something acceptable. And and maybe it's just me because I'm just like a, a, a sports writer who really doesn't have much of a life outside of covering this team. But I just have this feeling of it just like it just been so long since there's been a meaningful win. Like it just like obviously Dak goes down last year and yeah, there were a couple games last year they won like Minnesota and you know, there were a couple games in there where they played well, but it just it feels like it's been so long since there's been a win that probably can like, New Orleans, right? Yeah, I just I don't know, man. Like I just really feel like they need to get a road win against another good team to kind of set everything up going in the right direction as opposed to just being like well, it's fine. I start zero two. We got, you know, we got Monday Night Football. We got the Eagles. We win that division game. We're fine. Like I just don't, I don't see how you can think like that. Like they really, really need to get a win here. Well, if it doesn't happen this week, then that win that you're talking about, that meaningful win, doesn't happen until the end of October, because beating Philadelphia, Carolina, the Giants, even this New England team right now and then a bye week, and then you get Minnesota, and who knows what they are, and then you get Denver, then you get Atlanta. Then it's like at Kansas City in week 10. Like this, you know, these But if they rolled off those games, if they rolled off all those games in a row, or let's say they went three and one during that stretch or something like that, at least that's building something in the right, like when's the last time you even felt like it was building in the right direction? Yeah, no, 2018? You're right. No, I, I agree with you there. But in terms of like the, the level of competition, your schedule does get very easy. It would sure. be nice to beat a, a good team because I think we all see the Chargers as legitimate in a playoff team. You know, it's hard to – they're definitely not the favorites in that division uh, with the Chiefs. But, you know, one thing that's – we talked about Slater. It will be interesting to see if Brian Balaga plays. He's been this way for about five years now where he's – Good for about a half, and then he's going to get hurt. That's what happened to him in week one. His back flared up on him. But if he doesn't play, then you're going against, you know, the second uh, offensive tackle uh, for them, or uh, their their backup offensive tackle. Uh, the guy's name is Storm. I don't have his last name. And also, I, one thing I'll say is it's, it's going to be very unlikely that the Chargers are as good on – third down as they were against Washington. They were 14 of 19 on third down. I mean, they were just uh, converting at a ridiculous rate. It's also very unlikely, although Herbert will will give you a couple chances to make plays, it's also very unlikely that Herbert throws two red zone interceptions, which he did against Washington last week. Um, Honestly, what I saw of that game, and I watched that one pretty closely, 
man, the Chargers really controlled all of that game. Those two red zone interceptions is what stopped that from being, you know, uh, or is what kept that to be a, a four point game. You take away those red zone turnovers, you know, uh, that that game is probably a 10 to 13 to 14 point game. Well, you can say the same thing about game. the Cowboys Bucks game. I mean, if they don't have the, the Bucks don't have those back to back turnovers, how much does how much yeah. how out of hand does that game get? Where you might be talking about cover it and all those things. Um, you know, also the, the Cowboys, I, I thought, John, you, you had a really good article that uh, all of you listening should check out, you know, eight positives and eight negatives to think about headed to week two. And the part you wrote about the Cowboys in the red zone, because you're talking about building something, that's something that carried over. They're still like, man, we're still for, feels like the fourth year in a row, having some troubles once we get inside the 20 of finishing drives off. And I've, I've kind of thought about it a, a lot in terms of what is stopping them from that when you have all these weapons. The only conclusion that I could come oh, to... Oh, there's one for sure, but go on. The only conclusion that I could come to, well, I'm interested to see what yours is, mine is that you don't have Travis Kelsey, you don't have even a Mike Williams with the Chargers, who's a big red zone threat. You don't have a Gronk-type guy. The big a Waller. From, you don't have the huge guy who can make himself bigger in those tight areas in the red zone. I mean, the guys you have, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, those are separation guys. Uh, And your tight ends are Graham. I like Jarwin and Schultz a ton. But that's the one thing that I've been going, I've been kind of racking my head with. Maybe that's the thing they need is this lumbering six-foot-six guy who can go above everyone and make that play. Jared Cook's been that way a little bit in the past. I don't really think he's that anymore. Um, but that was something I've been thinking about a little bit. I don't know what you guys think. That would help to have that. Um, but I think the, the issue for this particular team is because if you go back to 16 and 17, they were top 10 in the league in the red zone. And what did yeah. they have in 16 and 17? They had a Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott that when they got down there, they could do a lot of read option, and it worked out well. Do you really want Dak running that much down in the red zone, especially during regular season game? You want to bring back that read option like in the like the NFC championship game and, and do it a bunch or in the Super Bowl? By all means, go for it. Then the other part of that is is they did kind of a read option and inflicted out to Zeke on a play that should have scored, no doubt about it. And Jarwin misses the block and Zeke can't make that guy miss. And that was huge. That, yeah. That's a big play. That's a play that in 16 and 17, that's six. And it's, and it really, to be honest with you, it's really not close. It's like, that's a, soon as it, soon as the ball gets snapped and you see all the players moving in the directions they're going, you immediately like, Oh, this is six. That was a perfect call at that time. And that was a perfect call at that time. And they didn't get six out of it. And so that's the one issue is not having that run game for this particular roster. Now, like you said, if they have, let's say they go and add a tight end like that or something, or they develop something like that, maybe they do overcome that. But for the way that this particular roster is, it's not being able to run the ball down there. And maybe that means, you know, you bring in uh, Tony Pollard with Zeke and maybe do some misdirection things and stuff like that. But like when they had success down there in 16 and 17, a big part of it was Dak and Zeke both being able to run the ball. Yeah, and I also think that they're – it takes a certain kind of receiver, and I think C.D. Lamb can be that receiver that you know that Des Bryant type, of the Des Bryant of sixteen seventeen. Um, I think Amari Cooper is great, but also he's that route runner type guy, and I think Gallup can be that guy as well, the Des Bryant type. But I also think that receiving options, you have to have a certain kind of receiver that helps when you get down there. Uh, we saw it with Terrell Owens, like you know those big body but playmaker type guys, and then 
for as talented as the Cowboys are, I do think that there's a certain skill set that not that these guys can't do it, they just don't like specialize in it, if that makes sense. No, and that's a good point because to both your guys' points with the, with the bigger, whether it be the tight end, bigger receiver, you know, we're obviously a long way away from this, but looking in the draft next year, that could be something that they end up targeting because, hey, let's be honest, this receiving core ain't staying together. You know, with Michael Gallup going into free agency, it's unlikely they keep it together. They're going to have to address the receiver position likely in the draft, not saying first or second round, but maybe third round or something. But maybe this is the exact type of receiver they target. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy, only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Real quickly, I don't want to get, spend a lot of time on it. How bad is this back thing with Zerline? Because I can just buy at face value that he's working through some things. But, uh, you know, that's not good enough. No one wants to hear that, dude. We, we lived a Maher life. You know, like, no one wants to hear that. So, come on. Give me a little hope here. We're going to be good. We can get this straightened out. Well, I will say he didn't look great in in oh. uh, pregame warmups. He just he did. He, and and the thing is too is that he misses most of them to the left. And John Fossil said he think that's because he's such a powerful kicker that generally that's what happens is then it carries over to the left. So I'm just like, all right. So make sure every one of them's on the right right hash every time he kicks. Then, but um, yeah, I just. It's tough because there just isn't a guy out on this isn't your fantasy ten team league where there's just an, oh there's somebody else on the waiver wire. We'll just go get him on Wednesday. Like it's just not like that. And so they made their bed by not adding somebody else in the offseason that Zerline was gonna be the guy. And so John Fossil yesterday's you know, say had nothing to do with his back, had nothing to do with, with anything other than he just hit the ball wrong on the on the thirty one yarder and on the extra point. And 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 that's fine. There's there's misses and stuff and sure you know, and, and that, but uh, man how bad that 31 yarder was missed. That looked like some stuff that you only see on Saturdays and and maybe Friday nights. Like that does not look like stuff that you see on Sundays, not from 31 yards, not that far off. Not, not, not like that. Not from a pro kicker. Who's like a pro bowl. Yeah. Should NFL kickers kick the ball wrong? Should that be a thing? (laughs) Well, the thing is that just just miss, just miss the kick. It's okay. He'll get him next time. No, you can't, you can't be kicking it wrong. You can't be having weird, weird stuff come off your foot, man. This is your no, job. Just, You're yeah. going to pay $2 million for 16 games, okay? Come on. 
It just speaks <laughs> to the mental side of the game, though. It just that's what kicking yeah. is. It's it's kicking is just like it's like playing golf. It's like relief pitchers. Like if you're a relief pitcher, you're probably a relief pitcher because it's not because you have a great knuckleball. It's because you can throw heat. And for some reason, guys that are in, in the bullpen are just great when they're the seventh inning guy or the eighth inning setup guy. You ask them to close out the ninth, and they look like they've never even played baseball before. Same thing with a closer. He's great for those final three outs. Oh, my God, don't ask him to try and get that last out in the eighth. Are you crazy? There's no way he can do that. That's not in his job description. It's just such a mental thing, and that's how it is with kickers. And honestly, nobody that's listening to this should should be surprised by that because that's what we saw with Dan Bailey. I mean, Dan Bailey went from being – automatic and taken for granted to being a guy where it's like he had the yips. It was just like, he almost forgot how to kick. And that's why they moved in in another direction and surprisingly kept Maher over him. So that's the thing. But I'm telling you fossil being close with Zerline and them having that, you know, working relationship for like a decade. That's why he's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But man, you have a couple more games like they did on, on Sunday. You just for the team's sake, you can't keep trotting that guy out there. Correct me if I'm wrong, KT, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but, wasn't Zerline pretty bad from short distance last year, but pretty good from far away? That yeah. hasn't been a thing. So if no, it's a game-winning kick from 31, we're screwed. But if it's from 61, we're fine. That's the thing, and that's like <laughs> that's that's the same thing we dealt with with Maher. And here's my here's yeah. my issue. Here's my issue, and it's it might be a little too it might be a little too big. You know, actually, it can't last year. I'm I'm looking at it last year. Maybe I'm actually, thinking of Maher. But yeah, you're thinking of Maher. Last year, he was he yeah, made Maher's the guy who could only kick from distance. That's what it was. Zer- yeah. Zerline made <laughs> the but, yeah. could only kick well, since, from sixty yards away. <laughs> ever since Dan Bailey, all the kicking really just kind of runs together. Uh, everything under fifty, he was actually he made all but one. He okay, I'm thinking of, of Maher. That's 50. my bad. It does run together. But yeah, still, but I will ahead. say one thing also is just that the fact that the Cowboys did just sign uh, whatever I, I'm going to butcher his name, but Liram Hadrulahu uh-huh. to the practice squad. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, just just the fact that they did that at least shows some like you know awareness of what the potential of of where this could go because that's not a that's not a household name or anything like that. But if your household name has a bad back, then he's no good. And so uh, it's good that they at least have this contingency plan because, like John said, if he keeps mi- if he keeps missing these the way that he that he did at least you know that that thirty one yarder, then you can't keep doing that. Then that no name practice squatter is a better option. And you know we'll I'll, we'll see how long the leash is. See Monday morning then, they got they got guys working out at the star. We'll know. <laughs> well, and, and the other thing is too that it'll it. <laughs> This keeps up. It's just going to lead to McCarthy and Kellen Moore just going for it more when even when they're on their own side of the field and instead of settling for field goals, we're gonna be like, we got to go for this on this fourth and five, fourth and six, because uh, we don't trust this kicker from this distance, and we trust our guys to be able to get this first down. Uh, so I mean, but yeah, you'd obviously feel a little bit better about that if you were better in the red zone, but because they have the red zone issues on top of this, uh, yeah, they, you. I mean, at the very least, you have to have somebody you can count on to kick extra points. You can't be missing well, extra points. This is a this is a terrible take, but I'm going to throw it out here because I believe it. I believe Ben DiNucci played a lot in the preseason, a lot more than he probably needed to in the preseason when we could have gotten actually some more Cooper Rush and Garrett Gilbert type of time. I think Ben DiNucci got all that because that's kind of McCarthy's guy, and I think Greg Zerline is on this team because it's Jim Fossil's guy, and that's okay to an extent. But when you start affecting games directly then you being homies with the 
with the coach kind of annoys me. Yeah, but that's so, the way it goes, man. I'm telling you, uh, you don't think that the Terrence Steele thing, you think the Terrence Steele is because there's like some talent evaluators, scouts and stuff like that that want him to play? He's not starting at right tackle if Joe Philbin and Mike McCarthy don't want him to start. I mean, especially right special teams. Special teams but just have Jerry's not stepping guys. in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, that's Asante why he brought in his long brought snapper. Brought all his guys to Oakland when he left. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, Fossil the same way. Brought in his long yeah. snapper. Brought in his punter. Uh, the punt. Well, he didn't bring in his punter, but he had experience with anger. Um, he had anger issues, and so the <laughs> nice. I would say nice. I, I, I would credit. I would say that the Terrence Steele thing is the same way. Joe Philbin has to be like, no, this is our guy. I, this is our guy. And then I here's disagree. the reason. Okay. And here and here's the other reason why I believe that too is because he was a guy who was added as an undrafted, undrafted rookie free agent. That's clearly a guy that they were like, all right, the coach really likes him. Let's try and bring him in. And the coach is like, ah, this is a project. I can make something work with this guy. I can work with this guy. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. It, the thing is, and I know you're just using an example with Terrence Steele, but Terrence Steele was not – you're right, he wasn't drafted, so that tells you he wasn't great. But like, he was invited to the Senior Bowl. He was seen as a guy with potential. Like you don't just end up at the Senior Bowl if you got nothing. They're not just filling out rosters there. He was selected to go to that thing. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, it's just not – he doesn't have a lot of good tape because he's playing at Texas Tech. Like, that's what I think. Now, I, and I, I think the way – I think what people think of Terrence Steele is based on him playing last year when he had no business playing in the NFL last year. And Well, McCarthy's the, all about reps. developing guys, and that's what he always talks about is developing these young players. Yeah. And so much here, Danucci in the preseason thing, that's what he always talks about this. Like, you know, well, you know, you're going to go through these growing pains. You know, I did it in Green Bay. You, guys, you know, we need 77 guys to win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, he, he has this, th- these things that he constantly goes to. And right now, there aren't a lot of things that we're seeing that we're like, yeah, this makes sense. But if Terrence Steele gets in there and he looks pretty good and he ends up being a really solid right tackle, we'll look back on this and be like, yeah, there were some growing pains, but hey, it was worth it because look at we developed this starting right tackle who ended up, you know, being a starter. And we didn't have to draft somebody. Now, I've watched too many practices and too many games last year to literally believe the words I just said, but I'm just saying them. Sure. Uh, let's do picks. Let's do picks. Let's do picks. John, Kent, Sod, and myself all got wins last week as we were the four who selected Tampa Bay to win that game. Our guest last week, Dalton, picked the Cowboys to win. I think he was just trying to be like a you know, wild card guy. So let's go to uh, Los Angeles. I know we said San Diego. Have it. Uh, SoFi Stadium, Sunday, 325. And let's start with Saad Yusuf. Saad, who are you picking? I, 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 I'm, I'm torn, but I think I'm going to end up going with the Chargers to win it and I think it I think it's just going to come I don't think Terrence Steele is going to get Chaz Green but I just think it's going to be just enough and and I think that the the Cowboys are going to lose 27-24 he's just got this shirt on in the locker room like two days later like I got Chaz Green in Los Angeles (laughs) like it's just the thing like sorry go on who's next Chaz Green was like on the Colts last year playing games because uh, he was, it got down to their like third string, third string uh, tackle, and I was producing our pol- Colts pod, and they were talking about him. Um, and after the pod, I'm just like, I'm so sorry, you have to talk about this. This should not be the situation been, right now. They're like, yeah, it's desperate times here, guys. It's worth the Chaz Green I, mode. I, <laughs> We're in Chaz Green mode. I, I've been going to Cowboys road game since 2014. 
been in a lot of post game locker rooms. Oh, that was rough. I don't know yeah. that I, I don't know that I'll ever remember one more than that because that was just so rough and awkward that he had to like talk about that performance. Well, it was more awkward than that than Chaz himself, and he stood there and answered questions. Was yeah, yeah. was Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, who he didn't 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 really seem to uh, be thrilled at all. <laughs> of course, yeah. so. Uh, I don't think we'd ever talk to Frank Pollock after a game, so that was very memorable. But uh, yeah, but yeah, hopefully uh, Dallas is better on the offensive line. I'll go next, KT. Um, I'm taking uh, the Chargers here as well because of the questions on the offensive line for Dallas. Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout game. I think Dallas is going to put up a lot of points, but um, I think um, the secondary for the Cowboys lacking a lot of weapons with Justin Herbert and his arm. So I think that'll be their... Uh, Strong suit, and, oh man, I don't know about the point spread. I don't even know what the, the spread is. I wasn't listening if you it's said three. It. It's three. Chargers minus Chargers, three. Chargers, okay. Uh, okay, I'll take, yeah, I'll take Chargers 27, Cowboys 24. I'll take, this, I'll take the uh, exact spread there. All right. I'll, I'll go now. Uh, Cowboys 34, Chargers 30. Um, both teams down a right tackle. We'll see if Balaga plays. And if Balaga plays, he's not going to be 100%, and he will not play the full game. I think that does matter a little bit. Uh, obviously, it doesn't matter as much as Terrence Steele because Terrence Steele is going to have the Joey Bosa assignment. Uh, I, I don't think the Chargers are going to go out and just be in blanket coverage you know, all day long. I mean, the Cowboys are going to be able to put up points. I, I do see the Cowboys trying to get back to running. Uh, a little bit, and I mm-hmm. think that will help. Though I think having a little bit of balance will help things out. I'm definitely a pass first type of guy, as you guys know, but um, I do think a little bit of balance. And the game plan was right last week. They have, Kellen nailed the game plan last week, um, but I, I do think running will help a little bit. Um, in the end, Dak and Herbert are both great. I like Dak a little more than I like Herbert. Uh, Herbert is going to, I think. And Dak, we saw, so it will throw it into five people. And City Lamb, he'll put it on the money, though, too. You know, some of those Herbert decisions were head scratchers, and you'll still see that some with him. Um, he's he can he can run, he can make some really jaw dropping plays. I love him, but I I think the Cowboys are going to squeak this one out, thirty four to thirty. I'm with John, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about after the game the other night. We were talking a little bit about kind of Dak's intensity and. And just uh, when he got in Biotish's face and just kind of the maybe not taking any crap type of thing. I don't think it's going to be same old, same old, well, we lost, uh, get ready for next week. It's just one game type thing. I think there should be a lot of emphasis put on doing whatever it takes to pull this game out. So uh, Cowboys 34, Chargers 30, close, evenly matched teams. I really don't see either of these teams as like Super Bowl contenders. I see them as playoff contenders. But, uh, yeah, I got the Cowboys squeaking it out 34-30. John? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers 31-30. And my whole reason for this is just because, aside from one watermelon kick, we have not seen the Cowboys under Mike McCarthy win any of these games with Dak healthy. They're high scoring, and they're exciting, and they're 400-yard passing games, and everything looks great. But the other team is scoring just as much. And the Cowboys have not been able to pull one out other than that watermelon kick game. And so I'll believe it when I see it, and they can pull one out. Uh, but again, I think it's going to be the same type of game where it's high scoring. Both sides are, are throwing the ball all over the place. And I think the Cowboys just barely come up short. All right. So I'm the only one. All right. I'll find, I'll wear this scarlet letter. You know, <laughs> I'll. 
I'll be the one. That's fine. That's fine. I just try to make it positive, you know. Just try to stay positive on this podcast. So then if they win, you feel confident they're going to be better in the red zone in this game then? I mean, I hope so. Uh, I, 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 it's hard because you, t- you look at one game and you go, how much of an anomaly is that? And then you have well, two more years of evidence. But I thought Kellen was so good the other night. I yeah. thought Kellen was great. Um, I, I, the, the plan was get the ball outside of the numbers. You're starting to see Dak do those things that we've seen, obviously, Brady do for years. We saw Peyton Manning do it in, in his later days. You see Aaron Rodgers do it all the time. And it's getting up to the line, know what's going on here. And then, you know what? The guy's in off coverage. Just flip it out to Amari Cooper, get seven yards real quick. There we go. Say, yeah, I like some of those plays. Hey, same thing with uh, Tony Pollard, bringing him in motion and throwing yes. it to him like that. Like, like a high percentage pass. Uh, very low percentage it gets picked off. If anything, it just gets dropped. You you know, you, you go on to but if it if it get you get it to him in time, the timing's down like it was there, boom, first down, move the chains, clock keeps rolling. It's 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 like a run. But you're almost yeah. avoiding third downs at that point too. Yeah. You're getting seven yards and you're making second and threes and you know, the best way to not, you know, get in third down situations is to like never have a third down, you know? Just Absolutely. <laughs> do good on first and second down. You don't have to worry about it. So Well, and then do what Tom Brady does. Like it was funny because after the game I was talking to my brother about it, like and and it wasn't just that game, but just like over Brady's time in his entire career, it's just like the the part that I'll always think about when I when I think of him is is how the little things he does on first and second down. So when he does get to third down, there it's very rarely is he is he just oh constant oh Brady they're in third and eight again third and ten third and twelve third and seven it's like third and two third and three like where he can they can run it he can throw something short to one of his running backs like he just always seems to be staying in front of the chains whether it be you know checking into run plays dumping it off the short things like it doesn't always have to be the big home run ball like you're gonna have to throw as the nfl to win games you're gonna have to throw that here and there but it's about picking your spots and and just no one does it better than he does and and if Dak can do that then the cowboys will be in great shape yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, I'll be watching right along with um, Magic Johnson. And uh, <laughs> hopefully... Uh, How disappointed is he going to be if Jalen gets those 16 snaps again? I mean, look, if we're talking about Jalen the same way we're talking about Joey Bosa after that game, that's a good thing. And maybe Magic Johnson makes us all look out to be idiots. Because what if they're what like, are the oh, ch- Randy Gregory can't play? We're going to slide Jalen down to defensive end this week. Yeah, that won't What's the chances? What are the chances that Jalen Smith has a better game than Joey Bosa? What is one percent, Alex? What's zero percent? There is well, no chance. Zero chance. Bosa in this league, you can tear an ACL at any moment. So, like, well, I guess, kind of yeah, thought. that's that's true. Is there a better chance of Jalen Smith having a better game than Joey Bosa, or the Cowboys win the Super Bowl this year? Cowboys winning the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, Cowboys winning the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shouldn't have taken that long to think about it, but I think we all went. Wait, hold on. What's yeah, he asking? And that's even after he brought up the injury factor. I mean, that could you know that could be the difference right there. Here comes a weird analogy from John. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll we'll see you on a Sunday. Uh, Sunday night. We've been we've been waiting all day for Sunday night's podcast. So uh, happy football, everyone. Uh, can I just mention this real quick? Can I just get this out of the way? Do it. Go. This is mainly aimed at all my followers who think Let's I, go. I'm crazy for picking the Cowboys in the division. The Washington football team's not that great. Yeah. That? Oh, you're not a Tyler Haneke fan? No, and I was not a Fitzpatrick fan. To me, there's no difference in the two. They're the same guy. 
What about, what about are you the a fan of? Are you the fan of, no. of Washington's fans having sewage spilled all over them in the stands? That was amazing. I felt terrible for those people. That should never happen. What <laughs> you about guys saw, what see about the that? Did you see? Oh, the Eagles blew out the Falcons. I don't know if you, if you watched that game. Well, but it I, looked, I've looked pretty nice one, for the Eagles. I, yeah, I have one note on that. My note is that Matt Ryan looks like Mick Jagger out there at this point. He Falcons looks are like totally Eli in Manning. rebuilding mode, but it's hard to for any game to get that out of hand in the NFL. I mean, Matt Ryan looks like late year Eli Manning, big neck, tall, skinny, and just getting pounded. Just not gonna have anyone block for him, and they. You can't ever fault anyone for drafting Kyle Pitts unless you need a franchise quarterback. Dude, Camp, it's crazy. Camp, whatever. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying it's crazy. It's like after that 28-3 to Super Bowl, like, that. it was like that was the end of Matt Ryan. Like, it's, They broke him. He, yeah, he did. He, he was on our on athletic football show this this past summer, and he he talked about it, and he, he, said, he said it's just it was really hard. <laughs> It, it it was it's just really hard to to deal with and he still deals with it he still thinks about it every day you know and he will forever it's just uh maybe something that it's hard to overcome especially when you're you have that was a long time ago wasn't it? how many years ago was that a long time yeah, ago it was like four, five years ago but it was yeah. like but and that he was an mvp that year you know yeah. it's just crazy it was like his window no, is closed like it's, it's like that window is about three years for getting back to the super bowl and I don't know. And hey, honestly, because of that, my hat's off to Russell Wilson because yeah. I understand Matt's upset about that, but there was a lot more other factors in it. If you're Russell Wilson, you're literally like, I threw the ball to the Patriots. I should have two Super Bowl rings right now. And he seems to just like raised his game up above it. But anyway, Kent, whatever you're about to say, I hope it's what I'm thinking because there is mm-hmm. one particular thing that stood out from this weekend in sports. And I hope it's what you're about to say. Go. Oh. I was going to mention the trouble that the Giants are having with Jason Garrett, but I don't know what you're oh. going to mention. No, I was going to talk about that cat that fell out of the stands. And they oh, yeah. Flag yeah. In Let's end on that. That was, that was, that was a historic moment. And I hope the guy who caught the cat got to keep it. And that it's his pet. That cat fell into his arms. That That's his, his forever. And he simbed that thing. <laughs> yeah. He you have to, that thing you have to simba that thing. Him. Oh, his arms, I guarantee you, are wrecked right now. That guy had never handled a cat before. <laughs> you can tell. He had never had a well, pet cat. You don't do we even know if it was a, <laughs> like if we even know it was a house cat? It could have been just a cat that just ra- randomly. It's like an outdoor cat that just lives no, in that stadium. Yeah, no, sta- stadiums. Um, they have cats that'll live there to keep the uh, the rodent population down, but they they don't want them Sad. out in the field. Sad for all we know that cat That's happens so often was... at sports games. There's just random cats because they kind of kind of keep them around, but don't want them to mess things up. Sad for that cat could have been garbage that Dwight Schrute tried to give to Angela. (laughs) (laughs) Save Bandit. Oh, gosh. And that's actually kind of a football tie-in, as that episode aired right after the Super Bowl right here. Um, Alright, well, we'll see you Sunday. Cowboys Chargers, 325. Magic Johnson will be there. We'll be there Sunday. We'll we'll be here. John will be there Sunday. John will actually be there. We'll be there to talk about it Sunday on the next episode of About Them Cowboys. Bye. According to retailers, the most popular Halloween mask this year is O.J. Simpson. And the most popular Halloween greeting is, I'll kill you and that guy who's bringing over your glasses or treat. (laughs) 